Good morning. What a privilege we have this morning to serve God. I feel highly honored of the Lord to be able to hold in my hands His Word and to have Him speak to us again. I think that many times we feel and we can take it for granted that somehow God is just, everything's just always going to happen and we sit back. But you know what? God doesn't have to talk to us. God doesn't have to show up. God doesn't have to, but he does. This morning... The Lord has laid upon my heart. Brother Tony asked me last night, he said, do you think you could be ready to preach in the morning? I said, said, well, I don't have anything. (laughs) And he says, well, study. I'll call you in a little bit. (laughs) Bless him, Lord. He never called me. (laughs) But God did. The Lord begins to hand this down to us today. I'd like for you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. Beginning with verse 13. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the form of lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect to person judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here, in fear, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of the Lamb without blemish and without spot. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you, O God, for your word. We thank you for this people. We thank you for, the, for your spirit. God, we thank you, O Lord, for your presence, O God, and we thank you, O God, for how you've moved upon your people time and time throughout the past, O God. And once again, we pray today, O Lord, that you'll move upon us, O God, as you see fit. God, I know you know how to take the words that I say and through your Holy Spirit, take them home to each of our hearts to apply it there. And you know how it needs to be applied. I don't know, O God, but I know you know, and I'm trusting in you, O God, to do the work you always do. And we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are to seriously consider this scripture this morning. It says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all conversation, all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, 
for I am holy. Today is a very unique day, but it's not different from other days and times past. When the clean gets mixed up with the unclean and the holy gets mixed up with the unholy and, and people start trying to merge things together and the holiness becomes a word that many people don't understand and they don't know how to apply it, they don't know what it means. For some, holiness is just a teaching and it doesn't have any further application than just teaching. For some people, uh, holiness is... is um, is an outward lifestyle, and it doesn't have anything to do with the inward lifestyle. For some people, holiness is only an inward thing and not an outward thing. And for some people, and we can go on down the line, but there's a lot of people, there's a lot of confusion today about holiness. In fact, a lot of people who claim to be holiness people have lost the message of holiness. And they don't, they don't practice, teach, practice, or teach holiness anymore. Holiness is more than just sinlessness. It is sinlessness. But there is a perfection of spirit with holiness. And a lot of that has been lost today. There hasn't been this desire for the perfection of spirit that God wants in his people. Now, there's nothing you can do, and that's what, there's where a lot of people get hung up on. There's nothing I can do to make myself holy. That's what a lot of people get hung up on. They think only God is holy, and there's none holy but God, and there's nothing I can do to make myself holy. And so they just kind of sit back, and the work's all on the Lord, and if the Lord makes me holy, good. If the Lord don't make me holy, then it's God's fault. But that's not at all the way the scriptures teach us. The scriptures give us a command. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Someone asked the other day, he said, well, what is holiness to you? And it was one of the main run religion kind of people, and he says, Oh, yeah, we believe in holiness. Well, what, is it, what does it mean to you? Oh, we just do our best to try to live right. We know we can't do it, but we do our best. That was holiness. But that's the definition of holiness a lot of people have today. We just try to do our best to live right, even though we know we can't do it. You have to look at either God meant what he said, because it wasn't just said the first time here in Peter, it was said way back in Leviticus. It was said way back before the Holy Spirit was given freely to every man that come to ask God. Holiness was a requirement. Holiness was a standard. And there was a reason for it, and he gives the reason because God is holy. That's the reason God gives. There's no other reason for us to be holy other than God is holy. Amen. Our holiness is not to impress somebody else. 
Our holiness isn't to make us feel better. Our holiness isn't somehow so that we can be approved of by other people or other groups or whoever. Our holiness is about being in the face of an almighty, holy God. How holy is God? I think it's a good question. Many people think because since we're in the day of grace that God just kind of overlooks a lot of things. But Jesus himself come back with a very, and he pushed the point home when he said, and be therefore perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now a lot of these things, a lot of people don't want to deal with and they don't want to face because they're so full of their own humanity and they're so full of their own flesh and they're so full of their own carnality. They don't want to have to deal with the fact we're having to face a holy God who requires holiness. A holy God who requires holiness. In God, there are no imperfections in character at all. In God is perfect sinlessness. In fact, there is a hatred for sin that is beyond any kind of hatred for sin we know and an extreme love for mankind. And they go hand in hand. Today, the way people look at it, they try to trump love over, above, make it as though it's above the whole idea of sin and, and that doesn't matter. In other words, love overlooks sin. But God in his great love, because he is a holy God, Amen. he has no tolerance for sin. Amen. There's no room for sin in God. There's a purity of his character and of his spirit. Now I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not trying to create a standard that's not already been set. That standard of holiness has already been set. It's not a standard of the 1950s or the 1880s, right? It's not a standard of 2023. What a lot of people do is they begin to compare themselves among themselves and see, well, as long as I'm just a little better than that one, then I've actually attained unto holiness. No, that's not our standard. Our standard of holiness is God himself. Amen. How did God... He died so we could be holy. He had a desire so much for you to be partakers of his holiness. He continually and every day is doing what he can to bring you into that relationship and into that fellowship of oneness with himself. And if we're going to have a fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it has to be a holy relationship. Amen. Because he is a holy God. All of our life, 
is open to him like a book. There's nothing he cannot see or know or anything about us. And so when we stand before God, we can't stand for God with some kind of a, a pretense or a facade or any kind of thing, an argument. We have no argument. There's no, there's no rationalization to who we are and why we are. You can come to me and I can say, yeah, I understand, I understand. I mean, I get you. I see why. I can overlook every kind of failure you have. Because I can understand. I can rationalize with you. But a holy God, because I can't, I can't change you. Right? I just kind of have to leave you who you are. But God, when you come to God, and you give God all the excuses, do you think it floats with the Lord? I don't think it floats. I don't think it goes anywhere. I don't think that God is impressed with saying, well, Lord, you know, I'm just human. and You know, I'm just a woman. I'm just a man. I'm just a kid. God, you know how I am. You know how the world is. And you know all the influences that's bothering me. And you know what's happening to me. Yeah, he knows all of that. But it doesn't change his character or his standard. It's the same standard from Leviticus all the way through Matthew, all the way through 1 Peter, and it's the same standard for today. Be holy, for I am holy. It doesn't change. God has been working for on that for us, and that's what his desire is, that we have a relationship with him, a fellowship with him, but he has to make us holy before we can do so. He works on the holiness, but he wants us also to have a part in that. We have a part in that. The Bible talks about that he's called us to sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. I want you to know that God has been working on holiness, and God had a plan, and the way he worked on holiness is for he gave you his son. And his son came. He also is a sanctifier. And he gave you his spirit. The spirit is a holy spirit. And he came. The Holy Spirit came to give you the power. The instruction. And the guidance to live like a holy God. Amen. Not that we'll ever be gods. We were not going to be God. But he gave us the power that we can enjoy the fellowship and be in the presence of a holy God. Even in the Old Testament, when God called out to Moses and called him from the burning bush and, and he begins to say, Moses, Moses. Moses, here am I. You know, God didn't let him just stand there and do nothing. God says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. You're on holy ground. There's some things that are going to have to be changed when we enter into the presence of a holy God. You can't remain the same and just bring in your filth that you've been traveling through in your life. You're going to have to take off that filth. Get rid of the former lust. Get rid of the other things out of your life to be able to stand in the presence of a holy God. 
When Isaiah entered into the temple and he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, and the thing that Isaiah heard, the, this, the angelic being shouting and singing was holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, holy. That had to be an awesome experience. But Isaiah didn't go thinking, oh, <laughs> I'm somebody that's really cool. I got to be in the presence of God. <laughs> no, Isaiah immediately felt, woe is me, he says. I'm unclean. I'm unclean. I want you to know Isaiah had been called by God into the ministry at, before this point. And yet Isaiah says, I'm unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. There's something about me that's, that doesn't match up to what I see. The presence of an almighty, holy God began to do a transformation upon him. And what's going to leave me like that? It says that one of the angels of the seraphims had come down and took with the tongs from off the altar, took a live coal and touched his lips and changed those things about him. When we come into the presence, I preached the other night about the presence of God. But we that are called to be holy are going to have to have a reverence for God like nothing else. And I want to tell you what, there's been a lack of reverence for God. Melinda preached on it the other day. And I, I see it's one of the greatest things. And so many people are so bound by their by their own opinions, they're bound by their own, they can't even take a scripture that's just as plain as day as this and, and, and accept it. They have to somehow reason it away. But God doesn't reason it away from the beginning of the book to the end of the book. He still calls for holiness. So it's left up to us to deal with that. It is a prevalent idea in our world today to think that, well, everybody sins and everybody's going to sin and you can't help but sin and, and that's just kind of the way we all live. Everybody has just got to forgive each other. We don't know. we all got besetting sins and we all got our own little demons we deal with and we all... What? It may be prevalent in their lives and it actually may be a true fact in their life, but it's not biblical. It is not the way the scriptures tells us. It tells us that we were created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4.24 tells us that. That we were created. That, that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Zacharias, whenever, before I think John the Baptist was born, there was a song, or before Jesus came, there was a song with Zacharias. He, he spoke, and he spoke from the temple, and he said that the... That the he would come and destroy our enemies and help us to live in righteousness and holiness until the end of our days. Righteousness and holiness. Do you think aren't those things the same thing? Almost. Holiness is your character. Holiness is your motivation. Righteousness is your conduct. 
And so when Peter says, in all manner of conversation, that to be to be holy, he says we're to have it come out in our conduct, in the way we live our lives. It should be something that comes out of us and the way we converse one with another, the way we converse throughout our lives, the way we conduct our lives should be done in holiness. I'll tell you what, holiness is a high standard. And we don't need to lower it because of human passions and because of human problems and human sinfulness. The standard of holiness is still just as high as it ever was. God hasn't changed the standard of holiness at all. For us, the Bible tells us, if you look into uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, God made a promise. He did not want his people to get mixed up with the things of the devil. In other words, the things of Christ and the things of Satan don't mix. And he makes that very clear. In verse uh, 14 of uh, 2 Corinthians 6, says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and, they shall, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. He writes it and makes it very clear. You don't mix the things of God with the things of the devil. You don't try to mix light with darkness. You can't do those things like that. You're not supposed to mix that, that which is supposed to be with or yoked up with God being yoked up with an unbeliever. You can't, you're not to be mixed in any of those things. We're to keep the things holy, holy, and, the, and have a separation from that which is unclean in the sight of God. We don't dabble in the unclean. We don't mess with it. We keep ourselves, we refrain from it. The Bible tells us, Paul tells his people, and he says, he says we need to abstain from the very appearance of evil. And a lot of people already want to get too close to the line all the time. And you see it happen. They, they, they do it in their language. They do it in their thinking. They do it in their dress. They do it in their entertainment. They do it in a lot of things. They just get a little bit too close to the evil. And if they're not involved with it, with it then they're actually entertaining their eyes with it many times. We need to make a separation. David said, I'm not going to set anything wicked before my eyes. I'm not going to put anything wicked before my eyes. And a lot of people have used that and said, well, that just means just this. That was anything wicked. Nothing wicked. There has to become a separation when you say, I'm going to do something about what's going on in my life. I can make the thing be as holy as God would have me to be holy. He tells us 
to cleanse, because we have the promise of God being with us, God walking in us and through us, the Almighty Lord. He says, since we have that promise, he said, we should cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Anything that's not like God needs to be cut out. Needs to be gotten rid of. Needs to be laid down. Lana's preached to the youth yesterday about laying the, uh, casting aside. And she listed several things that we needed to cast aside. And I'm sure the youth remember them. But she talked about the casting aside the sin, right? What was another thing she said, cast aside? Your past. I don't know if you were here or not, there or not. But cast aside your past. Cast aside your fears. Cast aside your plans. Cast aside your relationships and cast aside idols. But anything that's not like God, anything that's hindering your walk, anything because we need to be working at perfecting holiness in the sight, in the fear of God. What does it mean to perfect holiness? We need to make it so it can complete itself in us. Even though we're created in it, God doesn't create us evil. He doesn't create us full of sinners. God makes us, when, he's, when he brings us as a new creature in him, he creates us righteous. He creates us. That's the way he creates us. Anybody who is operating as supposedly a new man in Christ and is living unholy or unrighteous needs to do some cleaning up. Needs to do some changing. But all throughout our life, God will continually be talking to us. Drawing us closer, telling us, take your shoes off here. Get rid of this attitude here. This needs to be changed about you here. You need to step up to the plate in this area here. God's faithful to us because he's wanting to bring us into a closer relationship with an almighty God. So all the trials that you face, all the problems you face, when you realize they're in God's hands, and God is directing your life, then all of it begins to say, God's doing this to me for a good reason. God's doing this to me for a good reason. And we still can rejoice in that fact. The Bible tells us that we are to follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Our job isn't trying to stir up trouble. It's not my job this morning. I don't, I'm not, I, I, he has never called me to police the gospel. He called me to preach it. All right? So I'm not policing it. I'm not enforcing it. I'm not going around to check everybody out. That's not my job. I am to follow peace with all men. But my utmost desire and my absolute calling in my life and in your life is that we be holy. We live holy lives. All down through the ages of time, God has had holy people. And these holy people have been people that God could talk to, God could walk in, God could work in, and God could work through. All through time, God has had that of any man or woman who's willing to pay that price and raise to the standard of holiness. What is the standard of holiness for us? We think it seems like such a vague idea. But you know, there's little simple things. What would Jesus do? 
Jesus was the express image of God himself. He became our example in all things. That who did no sin and neither was guile found in his mouth. And that we should follow in his steps. Follow him in his steps. So when you think about, I am to operate as though it's Christ in me. Would Jesus do what you do? Would Jesus say what you say? Would Jesus go where you go? Would Jesus watch what you watch? These are questions I think we need to ask ourselves. If Jesus were here today, in July of 2023, would he be different than we are? You see, your standard of holiness doesn't go back to brother so-and-so. It doesn't even go to sister Sarah or brother Tony. Your standard of holiness is higher than that. Our standard of holiness is Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says that we are to grow up into him, into his fullness, and to be complete in him. He has become the standard of holiness. The Bible says that without it, we will not see the Lord. See, the thing is, a lot of people, they get all excited about church things and activities and all the different things, but just God himself. How does that excite you? You see, because of the life a lot of people lived, they, they would be very uncomfortable in heaven. There's not a filthy joke corner. No, it's not there. There's not the easy boy chair watching the sports. It's not there. There's not all the shopping that we enjoy doing. I don't know that that's there. There's a lot of things that people get involved in, so involved in here. What's it going to be over there? What's it going to be over there? You see, if we have a hope of seeing the Lord, if we have the hope, the Bible tells us, every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. If we have the hope of God in us, if we have that promise and can hold the promise of God in us, then it'll be changing us to be prepared for heaven where it is all holy and all the angels are singing and all the people are singing, holy, 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 worthy, 
Worthy is the Lamb. All of a sudden, our attention is going to be on Him and Him alone. I can't believe that somehow, that at the moment of death, people suddenly get the idea, I, I, I think holiness is a good idea now. When you enter and it comes your time to enter in heaven, the holiness should have been your idea all along. Because without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. No man. You won't see him in eternity, and no one will see him in you. God has called us to be a separate and a peculiar people. A lot of people say, man, if I go with this holiness thing that she's talking about, I'm not going to be like everybody else. That's the idea. Amen. You got it right. You're not to be like everybody else. You're not. You should stand apart. You should be very different. You should be very different inside and out and everything about you. You should not have a way of just, where you just blend in with all that's unholy out there. You know, as a child of God, there's, there's only one place you belong. Really belong. And that's in God and in his family. That's where you really have a feeling of belonging. Outside of that, there's no feeling of belonging for a child of God anywhere. You'll always feel odd. You'll always feel different. You will always feel like you're out of place. You'll always feel like nobody really understands you. But that doesn't matter because that's the whole point of it. See, a lot of people have lived their lives so close to the world and been conformed so much to the world, there's been no separation between that which is holy and that which is not holy. There's no difference in them. They live the same kind of lives. They enjoy the same kind of things. They talk the same kind of way. They dress just like everybody else. They do everything everybody else does in the world. And there's absolutely no distinguishing characteristics of supposedly holiness people. But God has never had it that way. God's people have always been a set-apart people, a peculiar people, a holy nation. What he calls us to be. He calls us out and into holiness. Amen. He tells us that he's coming back for a church that is to be without spot or blemish. He's coming back for a holy church. Amen. He's not coming back for one that's just barely hanging on and acting like, oh, well, we're just trying to do our best, Lord. We know we're full of sin. We know we're full of problems. We're just still just trying to do our best, Lord. I don't see that in the scriptures at all. When he talks about what he's coming for, he said that he wants to present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I can excuse my own flaws, and you can excuse your own flaws and wrinkles and blemishes, and I'm not talking about skin wrinkles. I'm talking about spiritual wrinkles. For whatever reason you want to try to excuse it, but for an almighty God, he's coming back for that holy church. He's coming back for that sinless church. He's coming for back for that church that's unspotted from the world. He's coming back for that church that's without blemish. 
He's coming back for that church that's blameless. I think blameless is a very interesting word. In the Bible, it talks about that. That I was talking about when you're picking a leader. A leader needs to be blameless. In other words, it's someone who's above reproach. Someone who can't just point a finger and their life isn't full of questions about who they are and what they are and did they do right or did they do wrong. That's not, that's not the leader God's looking for. God's looking for someone who can live a holy life and live an exemplary life and live a life that's able to lead other people. God's not looking for somebody who's just a faulty failure like everybody else. I think as a church we need to set high standards for our leaders. It's not low bars, not just that we just need warm bodies at this point. No. We need something more than warm bodies. We need people on fire for God, filled with the Holy Spirit, people that God has anointed, people that God has led, people that God that's living a life that's exemplary to the rest of the world, someone who has a light that shines and can show forth the good works of God. God is looking for a holy people. If we're not careful, we can end up with a pride because of our doctrine and lose the holiness of spirit. Without spot, blameless, without blemish, above reproach, we need to judge ourselves as though it was the end of the world. Peter writes again, and he talks about that. And he says, he talks about that the end is coming. And he says, if once we see all that's going on, He says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. When you think about the Lord coming back, the end of the world, everything on fire and it's melting, it's not about the church down the street at that point. It's not about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so and what they taught. It's not going to be about how your friends felt about you and about even about how faithful you were to church. It's going to get down to the very brass tacks of, do I know God? Am I who he wants me to be? The day that Lana was born, I was expecting to have a C-section because I'd had, at the time, fibroid tumors that were so large I couldn't have her naturally. So we, the doctor planned a C-section. And I 
already had one C-section, so I thought, well, it was a terrible experience, but I thought I could make it, and we'll, we'll make it through this one too. And I was there, and decided to give me an epidural, and I wanted to be awake. In fact, I wanted my husband in there with me so I could, like, talk to him. You know, like, this is going to be a special moment, you know. And um, my husband didn't want to be in there, which kind of crushed me a little bit, but he didn't want to be in there. But later, he was glad he wasn't, and the doctor was glad he wasn't, too. And uh, <laughs> because when they numbed me, they thought they were ready, and I was ready for them to cut me open. Uh, I wasn't numb on the inside. And uh, the pain was so horrific, there wasn't even, it wasn't, you can't even cry about it. It was the time you just die. You know, that's the feeling. Like, and uh, my blood pressure went down to zero, and they were losing me. And I didn't know what was happening. I knew I was going. And um, they quickly worked, and I'll tell you that story. But I want to tell you what happened to me. I was there, and of course they had this, I didn't know they had put something over my face, and, and, uh, but I saw a light, and I voices just faded away. But I felt very, very much aware. And I thought, and here's exactly what I thought. I was planning on having a baby today, but I guess I'm going to see God. The only question that was in my mind at that moment when I really believed that I was facing an eternal God was, have I lived right enough? It was the only question I had. Have I lived right enough to face an almighty God? The voices all disappeared, and I was waiting, waiting, like I was in a tunnel. There was a light way at the other end of the tunnel. I was very much aware. And after a while, I started hearing voices. And I thought, that voice is familiar. And I thought, is it Jesus? Got a little clearer. And I heard Dr. McWhorter say, isn't she a beauty? <laughs> As he pulled the baby from me. And I was just grinning ear to ear. And he said, I've never done a surgery like this where the mama is grinning that much. And I said, I'm alive. And I had this. I want you to know, the question that was on my mind is the question that's going to be on all of your minds. Have I lived... Not just have I one time accepted Jesus Christ, do I believe he's real, but have I lived the holiness God wanted me to live? Have I managed, have I maintained a life so that at, the very, at this very moment when I wasn't expecting to die, but this moment was coming, have I lived right enough? And I ask you this question tonight. 
Have we spent our time rationalizing all the things we've done? Have we spent our time saying, well, you know, God understands. When God sent his Holy Spirit, God sent his Son, God sent everything that you could possibly ever need to help you to live a holy life. Amen. We're not just to be professing holiness. We're to be possessing holiness. The Bible says that we as women, talking about just the given instructions of the women, that we should be, be adorn ourselves as women professing godliness. What does that mean to you? I think it means something. And as a Christian, I think it needs to be fleshed out into our life in every manner of our conversation uh, that it should not be a mistake to us or anybody else that we're to live as though we profess godliness. There are some people that profess godliness, but they lack the power of it. Let's go beyond the profession. Let's get the power of godliness in our lives. And this is so important because what is the power of godliness? It's God himself. It's Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. It is that which God wants us to have have within us. And it's something that can be, that's not just felt, but it's something that, that is real. Something that's real. It should be real that when you show up in the room, God shows. It should be real that when you begin to pray that God is present and God is hearing. It should be real that the power of God is working with you and in you because God is there. I want to tell you with holiness there's power. And one of the things a lot of people have excused is their lack of power with God. Their lack of access to God. Their lack of that. But I'm telling you because they haven't spent their whole life excusing their unholiness. Just don't excuse our unholiness. Don't excuse our lack of faith or excuse or rationalize our lack of love or our lack of purity or our lack of whatever. I'm going to tell you what God has made it available. God's made it available. It may be a stretch for you and it's a stretch for all of us. But I'm going to tell you what, there isn't anything that God cannot do even in you. If God can take a nasty, rotten sinner like St. Paul, and turn him into a missionary. If God can take the people that has done it, he's done in your life and my life and take people like me and you and cleanse us, there isn't anything he can't do. So much because the world has lived short, they've come short of the glory of God. They've come short of it. People have come short of the glory of God. And when we come short of the glory of God, you also come short of his power, short of his presence, short of his assurances, short in your faith, short in your, you come up short in your love. You come up short. I'll tell you what, I don't want to be short. I don't want to be lacking. I don't want to spend my life comparing myself to anybody else. My standard of holiness is Jesus Christ himself. My standard of holiness is Jesus. I believe I should live in a way that everybody should be able to follow my example and make heaven 
I need to live like that. I have to live above reproach. I have to live above any kind of, uh, of, of the riffraff that goes on. I have to live above that. But I'm going to tell you what, just because I barely make it above anybody else is not my guarantee of heaven. Holiness is. Holiness. I'm going to tell you, holiness is still the message of the church today. And we better not let it go. You go out there today and you try to find good literature, almost everybody, almost everybody has literature about how we're all failures and we all can't do and everybody, and they just uh, throw us all into the same pot. But I thank God Daniel wasn't a failure. I thank God that there's so many throughout that Moses wasn't a failure, and Joshua wasn't a failure, that there were people who sought God and had power with God and victory with God. I'm glad St. Paul wasn't a failure. I'm glad St. Peter didn't end up a failure. I'm glad that they all promoted holiness. They promoted a relationship with God. And then we need to be careful lest somehow we just think, well, we're just all in a big bunch and we're all just failures together. God didn't create failures. He created winners. He created overcomers. He created people who had, had the power, had Satan beneath their feet, had the, the, the desires of sin beneath them, had everything that they had, they had victory over. They conquered it. He did not bring us to the place that we have a constant struggle with the sin and self and the flesh. He made it so that we can have victory. You can have victory. You can have victory over habits. You can have victory over those things. But it's going to have to come because of your relationship and your closeness to a holy God. I've shared what the Lord's laid upon my heart the best I could. I hope the message is clear to us this morning. I don't know what God wants to do with it. I don't know how God wants to end this service. We need in America today a revival of holiness. The preacher last night, every preacher I've heard has preached along that line about having things, getting rid of things, and uh, you know, cleaning up stuff in your life. And don't let stuff, uh, you know, we can't let stuff hinder us from our walk uh, and lose our passion for God. And we, we can't allow it to happen. We can't allow fear to take over us. So we can't allow, but all those things don't need to take, and there's no need for them to. God has created you to be an overcomer. He's created you to be a holy people, a separate people. Don't be afraid to be separate and be different. I'm glad the people of the past were willing to be separate and were willing to be different. Aren't you? I'm glad. Glad they were. Let's stand together as we sing a song in closing this morning. And I ask you again, do you want to be holy as he is holy? Holy as he is holy. How much more reverence would that take for you? How much more committing would that take for you? How much changing is that going to take for me, for you? It's still the message, and it's still the truth. Heaven is 
be the kind of person that's just a very peaceful kind of person. You don't want any conflict. And that's good. But you also may be the point that you go along just to get along. Anywhere and everywhere. That's not so good. Sometimes it takes an absolute determination on our part to stand for what's right, even when everyone else is not doing right. If everybody else decides we're going to do it this one way, that does not determine the truth of God's word. The majority almost never is right. The Bible says that many people are going to be the ones choosing the road to hell. But just a few people are willing to make it through the straight gate. That gate has a measurement and it's Jesus Christ himself. That's where we have to go in. It's through him. We'll sing another verse. Turn the serves back to the chairperson. God doesn't make mistakes. And even this morning's not a mistake. 
it might not be about so much about you personally. Maybe it's to be a, about you knowing how to make good decisions and, and decisions about where you're at and what you're doing. Maybe we need to kind of hone up our, our decision-making process a little better, make it match more toward the Word of God. Sing another verse. You may live in sin below Heaven's grace refuse to know But you cannot enter there It will stop you at the door Bar you out forevermore Sin can never enter there Sin can never enter there Sin can never enter there So if at the judgment Spots your soul shall mark. You can never And what this camp meeting's been about on the whole is God's trying to clean house. Is it okay to say it? My heart's been grieved. For the past two years, we've heard some of the most amazing preaching to be heard anywhere. And our services have been tight. There's not been an outpouring to the altar like there should be. I feel like we have people coming in and they're amazed with us. They can't get over this place. It's friendly. The music. And there's a spirit of God here like nothing else I've ever experienced before in my life. And I'm thankful for that. And I'll tell you why that is. Because there's enough of us that lives this holiness message. There's enough of us that God sees it good to visit us. There's a danger in that, though, because you can sit there, and I've just talked to the 9- and 12-year-olds while she's preaching, and I come in here, and I thought, I cannot believe we've just almost spoke about the same thing. Sin separates us from God. I talked to them, we talked about Judas and we can't think of Judas in a positive light it's hard to because whenever you read through the scriptures and talk about Judas and they call him a devil from the beginning but I'm telling you the truth God wouldn't, Jesus wouldn't picked him if there wasn't something good about him I don't think he started out a devil I don't think he started out a liar a, steal, a thief and a betrayer I think what happened to Judas, it just wasn't going the way he thought it should. 
think he believed Jesus was the Messiah. And I think he thinks he should have done something about this mess. Yes, did he? He ain't doing nothing about the poverty. He didn't do nothing about slavery. He just ain't doing it like I think he should. The money's not being allocated like I think. And I'm angry. And nobody's listening to my ideas. And I'm aggravated. And I'm frustrated. To the point, I don't know what Judas was doing with the money when he took it. Maybe he was giving it to the poor, but he's wrong to do it. I shared with them, I remember being in junior church, and a teacher brought in a great big old jar, like a huge pickle jar. She had it full of beautiful apples. And she had another apple, and it had just one little spot, but I'm telling you the truth, that was a good apple. She put it in that jar, put a lid on it, and we come back to junior church the following week, and every apple in that jar was ruined and not fit to eat. Do you understand if you are bearing resentment and anger and animosity in your heart? Do you understand Jesus will not live in that heart? You can be in the most spiritual place where God's working and moving and you can think you're a part of it, but you are not. You are, who was it talked about your mind being seared? Was it you? Well, somebody's talking about their mind being Oh, that was, that was Lana. And that was even more convicting than ever that that young girl would have to tell us this. And you're deceived and you're walking in it. You're walking in unforgiveness. You're walking in resentment. And I'm telling you what, this thing is locked up because of it. And I've been grieved about it for the last two years. You cannot, you cannot let sin, any type of sin. And you know what? You can even, you might even be right about a few things. But I'm telling you the truth. If you hold something against someone in your heart without holiness, that means sinless. Without holiness, you will not see heaven. Living in one of the best congregations, coming to the one of the best camp meetings there ever was, you will miss it. You will miss it. And I'm telling you, God, I said it before, He's holding up a mirror in front of us and we will not look at it. We want to go on and think, I'm right. I was talking to the kids about this. I'm justified being angry. Somebody hurt me, somebody made me mad, and I'm right. It ain't about you and your opinion being right. It's about you being holy. It's about walking in holiness and being free from sin. And I'm telling you the truth, until you can let go of whatever it is that you're carrying. These poor preachers, I just pray God helps them. I feel like they're pushing a boulder uphill. And I'm talking to the cream of the crop, but we weren't meant for this. We're meant to forbear one another in love. So what if you don't agree with somebody? You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they're up against. And it might be you that something happens to and nobody understands it and then, you know, somebody's going to judge you. God help us. God help us. I was talking to someone yesterday. The Bible says, you know, you're going to love somebody, you're going to lay your life down for them. That means, that don't mean that you're going to take a bullet for them. You're going to take a knife in for them. It means you've got to lay down your opinion. 
you got to lay down your feelings. you got to set aside what you think about the matter and how you feel about it. That's laying your life down for your brother or sister. Couldn't be plainer. And setting aside our opinion, oh, ain't that hard. But if you want a proper relationship with Jesus Christ and you want to be part of this great army marching on and holding up that bloodstained banner of holiness, you have to be holy and you can't do that with sin of any kind in your heart. These things, you know this from your babyhood. You know this. And yet, we're proud. We think we're right. I've told couples who are struggling in their marriage and stuff, I said, you can be right. I said, how, how right do you need to be? You can be right or you can be happy. How right do you need to be that you're going to break your marriage down? How right do you need to be? And honey, it ain't never been about any of us. It ain't never been about you and how right you are. What you better do is examine yourself and make sure there's nothing between your soul and the Savior and there's nothing between your soul and another brother or sister. It's time to lay it down, saints. It's time to get over yourself and put on Christ. It's serious. It is serious. If we want to see an, a, a greater outpouring and we want to see souls line this altar, we've got to lay down whatever it is we're carrying that works against holiness. You got to lay it down. You got to own up to it and lay it down. I tell people in counseling, you got to hang it on the cross. It's God's problem. You know what? You can't do nothing with nobody. I remember talking about someone telling me when the Lord called me to preach, you know, well, women shouldn't usurp authority over a man. And I said, let me tell you something. If God can't do nothing with them, ain't no sense of me trying. I ain't trying to usurp authority over nothing. If you can't come under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, if you can't submit to Him, ain't nobody going to do nothing with you. And you're always going to be in the way, and you're always going to be problematic. And I'm looking at some of the best people I know, and I know you don't want to be that person. But, honey, you got to lay it down. you got to get over yourself and let God work something in you where you can forgive, where you can forbear, where you can love. God help us. I want to see. I'm thinking about what happened in Ashbury. And I said, what can't that happen here? We're holiness people. We say we're holiness people. And yet we struggle. God forgive us. God forgive us. I don't want to be the problem. I want to be the solution. And God help us. I don't mean to hold you a long time, but it just, the Lord just keeps hammering on this. Yeah, they never suspected Judas. They just thought he went out to buy a little something. And he went out to betray Christ. And do you understand? You know how the world knows that we're his disciples? is how we love one another. How we love one another in this church. How we love the same.
And if you're running people down and you're talking about them, you're angry with them, you're working against the very thing God is trying. And I beg you, I plead with you. Like the other disciples say, Lord, is it me? I do it all the time. I'm I'm forever asking him, don't me, don't let me. I tell him, don't let me drift. Don't let me become lukewarm. Don't let me be indifferent. I want to be the apple in his eye. And that takes a constant laying your life down. When somebody treats you badly, somebody's working against you, you got to lay your life down for that brother or sister. I know I shared it with somebody the other day. Whenever the Lord called me to the ministry, I remember I was hurt and angry about something. I was driving to Kentucky, and I got to the end. You know, I was at the end of the interstate, and I'm ready to turn left and go to my mama's house. Lord spoke to me right then and there and said, you don't matter. He says, if you're going to be effective in the ministry, you've got to understand you don't matter. Your feelings don't matter. Your opinion don't matter. You do not matter. You've got to lay it down. You've got to walk in forgiveness. You've got to walk in love. And if this message has spoke to you, And I'm telling you, it's hard to get holiness people to the altar. It just is. But I hope if the Lord has spoke to you and he's dealt with you and says, yeah, you're the one. Yeah, it is. You're the one causing all the problems. You're the one hurting the work. I pray in the name of Jesus, you'll repent. You'll find that low place before God. You'll repent and you'll make it right and how free you will be. Because when you're holding something against someone, You're a slave to that. And if you want to be free, forgive. Whether they ever ask you to, forgive. And you get to walk away free. You don't got to bear that no more. You can be free. And that's what you were meant for. You were meant to be victorious. You were meant to fly. You were meant to go conquering and to conquering. You were meant to reign in this life. Don't you want victory? Aren't you tired of battling, carrying that weight? Aren't you tired? God help us. We're going to leave the service with you. But I pray that you will be obedient to the Spirit of God. And you'll make things right. But I want to present a challenge to you. This was probably, and we say it all the time about messages, but this was truly one of the best messages that I've ever heard on holiness. And we're the minority in the religious world, 90%. Christianity out there. They all believe I sin, you sin, we all sin. But what we heard, and I suspect that everybody here was listening carefully, 
but not a one of us if we heard what was said this morning. We all would have to admit, and this is the challenge I want to present, we all have to admit after hearing a pure message on God's holiness that every one of us, and if you didn't feel this and didn't sense that you were falling short, I can tell you this morning that you missed what God wanted to say to you this morning. But every one of us, after listening to this message, if we will go home this afternoon after lunch, and do the things that God showed us to do because there was so much holiness in this message. And start jettisoning some of the things in our life, little things, boxes, and just start jettisoning some of those things in our lives from A to Z and ask God, and do just what 2 Corinthians 7.1 says. Getting rid of the, the filthiness of the spirit and flesh. Perfecting holiness. That scripture is asking us to do that. We are laborers together with God. And if, and if we can go home somewhere, wherever you go, your room, and and jettison some of those things that you know, I knew, we all know, need to be dumped over. And ask God to make us holier. And then come back to this service tonight and blow the lid off this place. You'll see the glory of God come down. You'll feel God's presence like you've never felt it before. Amen? And that's my challenge in closing the service. Yes. You may feel like you've been kind of chastised this morning. But go back and read in Hebrews 12. And he tells us that we all get to get to receive chastisement so we can be partakers of his holiness. That's what it says. Lana told me the other day, she said, Mom, I don't like a message that don't dig in. I think every one of us need to be like that. I want a message that digs at me. So I can be a protector of his holiness. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we come to you this, this morning, we thank you, O oh God, for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, I know, God, that in a crowd this size, O oh Lord, that we're all growing and learning and growing in knowledge of you, O oh God, and in grace. God, but I'm asking you, O oh Lord, that you help us, O oh Lord, to be obedient to your spirit as it speaks to us, O oh God, and talks to us. Help us not to rationalize, overlook it, or say someone else says it's okay. 
or, or feel like it's we're justified with whatever feelings or attitudes is not right. Oh, God, but I ask you today, oh, God, we can lay it all down. We can lay everybody else down in your sight, everything we worry about, everything we're upset about, everything that concerns us, oh, Lord, they can be laid down in your sight. All of my opinions, all my, all my pride, all my everything, oh, God, that you may be all in all to me. Oh, God, that you may grow more in my life. Oh, God, that you may be seen more throughout me, oh, God, and in me, oh, Lord, in my speech, in my actions, oh, God, that my presence, oh, God, may be your presence. My hands be your hands. Oh, God, my love be your love. Oh, God, that I may be so filled with you. Oh, God, that I may be who you would have me to be, not only in this earth, but ready for heaven and partaker of your holiness. Oh, God, we ask you, oh, God, help us not to lose the message, but more, more importantly, help us not to lose the life. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray.